Amen. Please be seated. And um, <clears throat> the message you might have seen the title is the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, but we're going to start in the Book of John, New Testament, right? because um, the Lord Jesus made a very important and very interesting statement, very significant um, about the Holy Spirit as He was teaching His disciples. Um, and he gave them several scriptures regarding the Holy Spirit. And um, it's important to um, understand the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's uh, certainly a lot of different things, ideas thrown out there today about that. And so the Lord was speaking to his disciples in John 14. Let's turn there. We're going to read a few verses there. And we're going to deal with this passage a little bit. And then we're going to come back to it at the end. But so, it, notice starting in verse um, John 14, verse 15. And here the Lord Jesus says to his disciples, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. All right, let's take a moment and pray again. Father, thanks for the time that we can have in the Word of God tonight. And, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And I pray for the Spirit's help in going through the Scriptures tonight. And we're thankful that he gives understanding into the Word. And so guide us, direct us, help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So again tonight, we're, we're looking at more of the personal work of the Holy Spirit. We've been doing that for a while on Sunday nights. And so um, really in John 14, 15, and 16, uh, the Lord spent a lot of time teaching his disciples about this comforter, as the Lord mentions him. Notice there in uh, uh, chapter four, uh, 14, verse 16, he mentions the comforter. And then verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. Um, I will come unto you. And so one of the titles that Jesus gave to the Holy Spirit is that of comforter. And the word that that comes from is the Greek word Paraclesis, which means, it means two things. It's the idea of one called alongside to help or to call for help or to encourage or to exhort. So this is the noun form. So the comforter means one called alongside to help. And so he would be the helper. Um, he would be to the disciples what Jesus had been. In fact, it says, I will give you another comforter. And the word another there means one of the same kind. All right, words are important. Now, contrasting that, Paul said to the Galatians, he was concerned that they were going after another gospel. There the word another means a different kind. So, so here Jesus is saying that this comforter, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, um, he will do what I have done. He will come in my name. In fact, later the Bible says that Jesus said, I will send him in my name, and the Father will send him, and he will be with you. Now, I want you to notice again in verse 17, the very significant statement that Jesus said to the disciples regarding the Holy Spirit. The last 
part of verse 17 says, for he, that is the Holy Spirit, he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. All right? So two different words, with and in. All right? So being eternal, as God the Father and God the Son are, the Holy Spirit has always been present. He was with the disciples. That's what Jesus is saying. He was with them, um, but he shall be in you. Notice, he shall be in you. That's future. And that's a promise of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Not only, not only would the Holy Spirit be with, or in other words, present in the world and so forth, he would be in them. All right. Now the indwelling of the Holy Spirit began to occur on the day of Pentecost. As it mentions in Acts 2, they were together in one place and the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, came upon them. And of course, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they were filled and they were indwelt and all those things. They began to speak with other tongues, that is, other languages of the people around them. And we've mentioned that several times in Acts chapter 2. I think it mentions 17 different nationalities that were present. And every one of them heard their own language. All right? And we've talked about that a lot. What a lot of people try to talk about as tongues today are nothing like what's in the Bible. So we've got to be careful about those things. But anyway, so something new. I want to show you tonight. We're going to take a look at the the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Okay? Now, and another thing along that line, when we look at what's t- what's t- what took place during Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that was at the end of the Old Testament era and the beginning of the New Testament. So, but it wasn't until Jesus left the earth that the New Testament era really began. Really, the New Testament era began with the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And so up until then, they were still living under the Old Testament economy or dispensation, especially regarding the Holy Spirit. So let's take a look at some of those things. Um, so you, you might say, what's, what's different? Are there differences? Yes, we're going to see some differences. We're also going to see some similarities. There are certain things about the Holy Spirit that are, he always does. And so we need to go back to the beginning. So that would be Genesis 1. Um, we want to take a look at three things tonight regarding the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Number one, the Holy Spirit and creation. The Bible, you open up the Bible, you all know this because you've been reading the Bible, most of you, for years. Um, but when you first open the Bible, there, there's no attempt to prove that God exists. It simply says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Right? And so, notice this, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And if you want to look at God there as God the Father, that, that's, that's, that would fit because 
God initiated, all right? And we're going to see that in just a moment. In the beginning, God, or if you want to look at God in the, in the Godhead plural, that also fits because all three persons of the Godhead were involved in creation, right? Where our emphasis tonight is the Holy Spirit, so we'll see about him. Verse 2, and the earth was without form and void. In other words, it was incomplete, it was empty, all right? There were no birds, no trees, no fish, no flowers, no plants, nothing. Except what? Darkness was upon the face of the deep. All right, so there was the, the earth was covered with water. By the way, darkness. In Isaiah, the Bible says the Lord creates the light and forms the darkness. Now we can, I've tried to picture this or fathom this, but before Genesis 1-1, there was nothing. There was only God. There was not even darkness. Because darkness is, a, is something, right? And, and God created, and, and he made the darkness. And we're going to see that in just a minute. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now remember, God had already, he had spoken already the, the heaven and the earth. So the stars, or well, the planets, all that stuff, they were there. But let's see, the angels were there, and it doesn't, God didn't make the stars to the fourth day. So anyway, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And that would be the Spirit of God, whenever it's used that way in the Bible, refers to the Holy Spirit. And so we know the Bible says God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's a trinity of the Godhead, all right? So, the Spirit of God moved, and that, the idea of that word moved is to hover over, to provide power for what was to follow, to provide direction, to superintend over, all right? So the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all involved in the creation of the universe. The Holy Spirit was the energizing agent, so to speak. All right, let's take a look at I mean, let me read to you a quote from Emory Bancroft in his book, Christian Theology, which was, our, by the way, was Jan's and my textbook when we were in Bible college for our theology classes. The Bible was our main textbook, and then we, we also looked at his systematic theology. That means he laid out theology, bibliology, Christology, pneumatology, and so on, um, about the different branches, the different aspects of theology. And the Trinity of the Godhead was one of those. But here's what he wrote about this, this passage. And in general, the working of each member of the Trinity is this. In every divine activity, the power to bring forth proceeds from the Father. This might be called the authoritative power. God the Father is the initiator. All right? Who, who, came, who formed the plan of salvation? The Father. Who ex well, let's go to one. In other words, he's the one who originated the plan of salvation. We want to call it that. Because he knew it from eternity past. But he was the originator. The power to arrange proceeds from the Son. S-O-N. This might be called the executive power. Think about creation. The Bible says that, that 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, referring to the Word, or the Son, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So the Son is the executor. executor. He carries out the origins and designs of God. The power to bring to completion or to perfect proceeds from the Holy Spirit. This might be called the energizing power. For example, we talk about, the, again, we're looking at creation, but compare it, I think it's easier to see when you think about the plan of salvation. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible says that Christ offered himself, he was the executor, he was the one that carried out the plan, but you know what Hebrews says, speaking of Jesus, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. And the Bible says in several places, especially in the book of Acts, that Jesus Christ did what he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. And we all get that. It's hard to understand. You know, how would the perfect Son of God, how would he need the Holy Spirit's power? The Bible says that he worked by the power of the Spirit. So how did Jesus create the, the universe? Well, he was directed by God, and he was empowered by the Holy Ghost, or the, the Holy Spirit. And that's the idea of the Spirit of God moving upon the face of the waters. And he's, and he's, because he is, he's going to bring it to completion. And of course, God said, let there be light, and so on. And Genesis chapter 1 describes the formations of the different parts, you know, the, 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 the seas being gathered, the dry land appearing, you know, the trees, the grass, the flowers, the birds, the fish, all the different things that God created. And they were spoken into, into existence, by the way, except for man and woman. They were created out of the ground, and then, of course, Eve created out of this, the rib of Adam. So, the Holy Spirit was there, involving, involved in the creation of the universe, and especially the forming of the earth. Okay? Now, <clears throat> he was, then let's look at Genesis 1, verse 26. The Holy Spirit, of course, was involved in the cre- creation of mankind, that is, male and female. And again, notice the words, Genesis 1.26, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And I remember years ago we were studying this in my in the Wyoming County Prison, and uh, going over this, and I said to the man, um, "Who is God talking to? Who's us?" And one guy said, "The angels." Really? Yeah, God and the angels created man. So no, that's not what he's talking about. Again, God said that would be the Father because he is the initiator. He is the, origi- the originator. Let us. That would be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In, in the image of God created him. 
male or female, creating them, and God blessed them and settled them, be, God settled them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that, cre- that moveth upon the earth. And I'm always fascinated by how would that would have all worked out if Adam and Eve hadn't fallen into sin. The whole earth was at their, was their dominion. Interesting. And then, of course, verses 29 and 30 said they only were to eat vegetables then. Vegetables and fruit. And then 31, God's evaluation. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And I'm told those that's the strongest word in Hebrew to describe the greatness of something. Very good. Now let's back up a little bit. And let's talk about the image of God. Right. Let us make man in our image. After our likeness. Now do you think it's is it a coincidence that God is three part? And man is three parts? Obviously not. And that's involved in the image of God. It's a spiritual likeness, but God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are spirit, soul, and body. All right? And so the three parts. And, and the image of God in man is, is a spiritual. It's a fact that like God, mankind was created with intellect, emotions, and will. Right? We all have. We, we were all made with that. We all have that. And Adam and Eve, again, Adam and Eve were the only ones that that really were saw the fullness of that before they sinned. Because they were perfect before they sinned. We were not. We were never perfect. All right. We will be someday in heaven. So we never. I don't believe that we can, can ever in this life experience what that's like to be fully in the image of God. All right? That's you know that's just what my thought. But anyway, so we're we're made in the image of God. So all kinds of things. Creativity and things that, that man has a talent to do, that that's because God has those abilities and talents. Now obviously the difference is God only uses his power and ability to do good things. You know, man has obviously used his power and wit to do other things. In fact, the book of Proverbs talks about people, the knowledge of witty inventions, and that's not in a good sense, all right? Witty kind of means, you know, like um, like the devil, you know, um, the devil was more, what does the Bible say, uh, more subtle, you know, man, man a lot of times uses his talents to do, to do not so good things. But so he was there in the creation of the, of the earth. He was there. He was involved in the creation of man. In fact, man did not become alive until God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And it's interesting that the word breath in the Hebrew is the same as the word spirit. So God breathed spirit as well as breath into man. All right, now let's take a look at one, another thing that's going on today. Psalm 104. Let's take a look at this. I, I kind of, I mean, it's sad, but I almost chuckle when people make fun of the Genesis account of creation. As if they, and that shows that they've never read the Bible because, or much, because Genesis has a some to say, some to, something to say 
about creation, but there's way more said about creation in other books of the Bible. So it's not just Genesis. You know, Genesis gives two chapters, great chapters, great detail, everything true, but there's other books of the Bible that even give more material. One of those is Psalm 104. Just, and we, I'll, I'll tell you what, we, can you bear, I don't know if you, if you can bear the whole chapter, I mean, no you can't, we have, to, we have some things we, we have to move along here, but I want us to pick it up, let's pick it up in verse 24. Psalm 104, verse 24, O Lord, how manifold are thy works, manifold means multifaceted. Right? are thy works. In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. So is this great and wide sea, wherein are things creeping, innumerable, both small and great beasts. There go the ships. There is that Leviathan, which is a sea monster, whom thou hast made to play therein. These wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. That thou givest them, they gather, thou openest thine hand, they are filled with good. Now notice verse 20 and or 29:30. Thou hidest thy face; they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath; they die and return to their dust. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, and they are created. And thou renewest the face of the earth. You know what that's talking about? That's talking about springtime. And that the, the, what happens in the spring is the work of the Holy Spirit causing those seeds, you know, causing, and you know, plants, you know, that, so, that supposedly die in the winter, they come back to life in the spring. Be and it's because of the way God made them, but it's because, but the Holy Spirit is the one who renews. And interestingly enough, although that we're not talking about this as such tonight, I was thinking about in Titus, it talks about our salvation is but by the renewing of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. So he, he's the one that makes us new as well. All right, a couple other things. I'm going to get, try to get through this. Uh, I'm not going to get through it all, but let's take a look at the second way the Spirit of God worked in the Old Testament, and that is through the conscience. All right, the conscience in man. Let's, let's, look, um, let's look at Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to just do this tonight because um, I've got a lot of stuff under the third point, which I think you want you'll be interested in. The third point, let me just mention that while you're turning, going to Genesis 3. Um, the third point of our study on the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is the fact that he came upon and departed from man in the Old Testament. He would come upon people and he would sometimes depart from people. All right, we're going to take a look at that. So that'll be next week. But let's take a look at the conscience and what the Bible says. Um, Genesis 3, we're going to take a look at two passages in Genesis and one in John, and then we'll be, that'll be it for tonight. But Genesis chapter 3. We understand that God made Adam and Eve and that they were sinless at creation. They were perfect. They were innocent. There was no, they had not sinned. All right? Um, but obviously they were created with the ability to sin. Okay? They didn't have to sin. And so, but they did sin. We know that. Genesis 3, let's go there. Um, 
and you should know, you know the story of Genesis chapter 3. The devil comes to Eve in the form of a serpent, and he deceives her. And he, deceive, he deceives her concerning the only restriction that God placed on Adam and Eve, right? Thou shalt not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Because God did not want mankind to know evil. And so he wanted them only to know, to just know, to follow him and learn from him. He didn't, so he put that tree there and said, you're not supposed to, you, you are not to eat of that tree. That was the only restriction God put upon them. One rule, and they couldn't live it, they couldn't stand it, all right? <laughs> anyway, so in verse 6, we're going to pick it up there. And when the woman, that's Eve, saw that the tree was good for food, all right, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, what does the devil say? If you eat it, you'll be like God. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Right? Something I'd love to be able to look into more is why didn't Adam speak up? Why did Eve speak? Why did the devil talk to her? Well, obviously he talked to her because he, he felt like he knew he could, he could deceive her. And, but, but the interest, interesting thing is, it says she gave unto her husband with her, so apparently he was around, obviously. But he didn't uh, do anything. He didn't intervene. intervene. Anyway, there's, uh, maybe the Lord will answer that when we get to heaven. But anyway, she ate it. Now, verse 7, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. All right, question now. What, is that, what does that mean? What is he talking about? Um, how did they, why did they, why did they know they're naked? And when they heard the voice of God, why did they go and hide? Well, you say, well, they were afraid. They were ashamed. They were guilty. How did they, be, how did they become that way? All right? If you are a student of dispensations, this brings about, this begins the dispensation of the conscience. So I'm putting this, this is what I'm calling this, the conscience activated. So when they ate that fruit, somehow their conscience was activated. They knew they had done wrong. They were guilty. They were ashamed. They were afraid. And what did they do? They tried to hide from God. Right? So... God said, verse 9, The Lord God called unto Adam and said unto, the, unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, God said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? Well, have I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. So the, de so the man said, it's her fault. The Lord God said, woman, what is this that thou hast done? The woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. So Adam said, it's her fault. The, the woman said, the devil made me do it. All right? And just like ever since then, people have been passing the buck. They're, they're avoiding the responsibility for what they've done. Obviously, the devil was only too happy to claim the credit. I mean, obviously, he, he thought he ruined everything. But anyway, so... 
it was through the conscience, conscience, because apparently Adam and Eve were created with a, with a certain knowledge of right and wrong, just like we have, but it wasn't activated until they sinned and their conscience bothered them. All right? Now let's take a look at another passage in Genesis 6. Because in Genesis 3, we call that the conscience activated. Right? In Genesis 6, we're going to take a look at what I'd like to call the conscience resisted. Right? Genesis 6, verse 1. It came to pass when men began to, began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. And they took them wives of all which they chose. Now you could solve that mystery if you'd, on your own if you'd like. There's two different views. Who are the sons of God? Who are the daughters of men? One view is that the sons of God were the descendants of Seth and that the daughters of men were the descendants of Cain. That's possible. Another thought is that the sons of God here were angels who fell and that the daughters of men were just simply human, human women. And um, again, I don't know that we can say 100%, but I kind of take the view that these sons of God were fallen angels based on Jude and Second Peter, which talks about the angels that sinned, the angels that left their first estate. And Jude compares them, compares their sin to that of Sodom and Gomorrah, which was a, a, a moral, a sexual sin. Right? So the possibility is that these demo demons... Um, actually took on, the f took on physical form and mated with women. That's a possibility. I mean, they, the Bible says that the angels in heaven don't marry. Well, these aren't the angels in heaven. These are fallen angels. But, but at any rate, we can say this for sure. This was Satan's attempt to corrupt and ruin the promise that God gave to Eve that her seed would bruise the serpent's head. Of course, the seed of the woman is Jesus. And so we could look through the Old Testament. There were several attempts by the devil to ruin that line from Seth to Christ. Right? But, so, but anyway, here's what the Bible says about that time, about that era. Verse 3, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. All right? So this is what we consider to be the working of God through the conscience. All right? There was no Bible in those days. Right? God worked through the conscience. And the idea of striving is the idea of inner striving. Okay? And, and, and just like today, people have a conscience. They, they, they have a basic knowledge of right and wrong. And I think it's more than just basic. But anyway, in spite of what is being said today by the media, by society, and by education, um, these people who are involved in this, in homosexual stuff and all that, according to Romans chapter 1, they know that it's wrong. They know they deserve, deserve judgment. They know they deserve death. That's, I'll take the word of God over anybody else's word, no matter how educated they are. And Romans 1 says, everybody knows there's a God. And everybody
everybody knows that their behavior is either right or wrong. Period. That's what the Bible says. Why is that? Because God put a knowledge of him, self, in every human being, and God put a conscience in every human being. All right? And so let's take a look. And so God says, my spirit, and who, who by the way, who's that? Who's, God said, my spirit. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works through the conscience. But they resisted that. Notice verse 4, giants of the earth. Uh, verse 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. All the time. And that continually, that Hebrew word continually just literally means all the day, every day. And, I, and we're, getting, we're getting closer to that in our world today, where people, I think there has to be millions of people on this earth who never think a good thought. They never think about God. Their thoughts are always evil, all right? So that's when God said he was going to destroy the world with a flood, because the man resisted. By the way, he gave mankind 120 years to repent, and they didn't. But Noah found grace, and so Noah and his family were spared, all right? Now, let's go to two other things, two other scriptures, and then we're at John, and then I, um, the book of John, chapter 8, and then there's a couple more. I think I said just the book of John, but there's a couple more. I want to take a look at something else. The conscience continued in Jesus' day. Look at John 8. This is the account of the woman who was caught in adultery, brought to Jesus. Let's take a look. Let's look at John 8, verse 4. Then said, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. So in other words, they didn't care about truth. They didn't care about carrying out the law. They just wanted something to accuse Jesus of wrongdoing. But Jesus stooped down with his finger wrote on the ground as though, they, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said to them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. So here is an, is an, in here, an example of the conscience convicting. In other words, working <laughs> like it's supposed to. And people responding to it. They all went out. They knew that they had sinned, right? And then, of course, you know where Jesus said, Neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Right? So let's go to one last thing about the conscience, and that's in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and that is that the conscience can be defiled. First uh, Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy 4 verses 1 and 2 says, Now the Spirit, speak, the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared 
with a hot iron. Now, the hot iron is sin, is, is false doctrine, evil things. And the idea there of sin is the idea of, of scarring. Like if you put a hot iron on somebody's arm, it's going to leave a big scar. It's going to scar it and burn it. And this, so in other words, and the idea here is this makes the conscience inactive. It makes it so that it doesn't work like it's supposed to. And the idea there is constant exposure to false teaching and those kinds of things will dull a person's mind and heart. So they can no longer, they no longer are, are convicted by the conscience. All right, let's take a look at one other in Titus. All right, Titus chapter number one, and then we'll stop. Titus chapter number one. Notice in verse 15, under the pure, all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. It doesn't work right. It's ignored so long, and sin has filled it in, that it's no longer sensitive to right and wrong or, and that sort of thing. That's a dangerous place to be. So, so therefore, that's why we cannot trust our conscience, all right? We must trust the Word of God, and we must trust the leading of the Holy Spirit, because one of the results of the fall is that our conscience doesn't work like it's supposed to. And so that, therefore, even Christians, and Paul talks about wanting to, having a desire to live with a pure conscience, right? And that's only by the Word of God and, and all those kinds of things. And so we're going to come up, there's a couple other things we're going to look at in the days ahead about the Holy Spirit, his work in the Old Testament. But thank God he is in us today as believers, and he works through the Word of God, guides us, and we're going to get to that some point down the road. We'll look at the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, all right? But let's pray. Father, thank you, uh, Lord, for this time we can have in thy word and learning and, and looking at things about the Holy Spirit. We're thankful for him, that thou hast sent him into the world, sent him into the world to be our guide, to be our comforter, to be our empowerer, as it were. And so help us, Lord, to be sensitive to the leading and to walk in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, and all these things, Lord, that thy word so wonderfully teaches. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's take our hymn books. We'll just maybe sing a verse. We might use this hymn for a couple times. Um, and it's 169, Holy Spirit, Faithful Guide. All right, Holy Spirit, Faithful Guide. Let's... Um, Verse number one, Holy Spirit, faithful guide. Holy Spirit, faithful guide, ever near the Christian side, gently lead us by the hand, pilgrims in our desert land, weary souls forever rejoice while they 
In our sweetest voice Whispering softly Wonder come Follow me I'll guide thee home Amen Robert would you close the prayer for us Moving in the Holy Spirit, even this night. Father, we just pray it would continue throughout the week. Father, we thank you for all that you do for us. We pray you be with us, give us strength, and We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.